0: in the Navy. I'm
1: Jamie Britt. And
0: I'm Heath Britt. And
1: together we are E-14. We have 40 years of Naval service.
0: And each week we discuss a potpourri of topics, which we like to call smoke pit topics.
1: These are real world topics that concern us, our marriage, and our Navy with a sailor twist.
0: So join us each week as we dive into the
1: deep end, to the deep end. Booyah! everybody, welcome back to E14 Podcast. I'm Jamie Britt.
0: And I'm Heath Britt.
1: And together we're E14, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of our own and not the United States Navy or our respective commands.
0: So take it or leave it. Welcome everybody back to E14 Podcast. Today we have with us Captain Jervy Alota. Sir, how you doing? Thanks for joining us.
2: I am awesome. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you guys today.
0: No, I'm going to be honest. I think we had a colonel, but you're the highest ranking guy to ever come on the show. Let's go.
2: I'm probably the most (laughs) handsome too. You are. Probably the
0: better looking ones too. (laughs) Now we had a uh, Marine colonel and now we got a Navy captain moving on up. Pretty soon we're going to have like freaking see
2: admirals and generals. Maybe have the president. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, sir, again, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. And the reason we called you because Jamie, me, and Jay are watching TV, and she goes, "You got to see this, Captain Jerry on Instagram."
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm fangirling right now because right. I've been following <laughs> you, and and I I I steal or the correct term repost a lot of your stuff for recruiting. Um, but I've like been following you for a while now, and I was like, we got to try to get him on the podcast. He's so
2: cool.
0: And Yeah. What the happy wife, happy life, sir. So that's what I
2: did. Absolutely. <laughs> and when you guys called and anytime I get an opportunity uh, to just preach a good word about what we do in the Navy yeah. um, and everything that it has to offer, especially when you're out to sea, um, I take full advantage of the opportunity because I think it's, 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 it's a story that doesn't get out there too often. Um, you hear about all the, you know, the kind of the epic, you know, war fighting things that we do. Um, but the folks, you know, especially at home that don't understand you know, when you get a little bit of white space and you're out to sea, just alone, and afraid, all by yourselves, you got to be able to have some some fun um, when there's some white space. And I want to be able to showcase that to not only just kind of the new recruits, uh, but also to the families, let them know that, you know, we're all human. We all need, you know, to be able to just put, you know, put our hair down and, and have a little bit of fun every now and then. So anytime I have an opportunity to showcase that, I, I take full advantage. That's Definitely.
1: it. Honestly, that's what I want to show to our young future sailors is like, Look, you know, everyone's so concerned about being stuck on a ship. I don't want to be stuck on a ship. And I'm like, it's, you know, there's fun, too.
0: Right. Yeah. And 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 you your job, which is your SWO, which means forever gone at sea. <laughs> so uh, so I get it because I was a surface guy. I was on a lot of myself is that you have a stressful job when you're out to sea. You're not just you're in charge of how many people's on that boat.
2: I mean, Yeah. So my last command, I had about you know 400 sailors, and then when we deployed with the Marines, we had another 600 Marines. So that's a thousand people under my charge. Exactly. A huge responsibility. And huge. And then you
0: got to get them from point A to point B expeditiously and safely. And and anything can happen at sea. Mother nature's a bitch sometimes. You know, and she can <laughs> she can throw a lot of things at you. And I've been in those situations. So to to uh, with your upbeat attitude, because I, I will get into your social media a little bit. But you're an upbeat guy. You don't, I don't, you don't show that you let a lot of things bug you. You kind of yeah. sh- shake it off like a duck. And I, I I think that's pretty awesome, especially a man with your responsibilities. It's gotta be, it's gotta be tough.
2: Yeah, it's tough. Um, but I also believe that in order to make it in this industry, um, you have to have a positive attitude. Because let's face it, you know, being on a surface ship, being out to sea six, seven, sometimes 11, 12 months um, at a time, it inherently sucks. Like you're away from your family, you're away from your loved ones. Um, You know, half the time you don't know where you're going or what you're going to be doing. So you have to maintain a positive attitude. And in my opinion, attitude is a choice. Like, you know, you can, you know, look at life like you're stuck in between these two freaking steel, you know, bulkheads out at sea eating crappy food, um, you know, away from your loved ones, not knowing where you're going, or you could choose, you know, to say, I get to do something pretty dang special where not a lot of people get to do. I get to, you know, serve my country, serve my ship. I get to, you know, be present when the world, you know, needs me, when my country needs me. And if the balloon, you know, ever goes up, I'm there, present, ready to answer the call. So again, it's a choice. You know, you could be freaking Debbie Downer and hate your entire you know, time out to sea, or you could choose to be happy and understand that it's an opportunity to do something pretty damn cool that not a lot of people get to do. Either way, it's a choice. If you choose to be positive and happy um, and blessed to have that opportunity, I guarantee you're going to be a much successful and happier sailor.
1: Now, for those sure. listening, you are a, what we call a full bird captain, right? Oh, uh, six. Um, but one of the things, and I kind of want to rewind into just a little bit of your, you know, history and bio, um, but you highlight on your page that you are the son of a chief. Which,
2: yeah.
0: Which, yeah.
1: you know, caused us to be like, of course.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So what, um, you know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about like how you grew
2: up and how sure. You and, you, into the you know, so, you know, every time I'm asked, you know, kind of who I am and, you know, you know what, what's my DNA, you know, I always kind of tell them the, the, you know, the, the common things, right. I'm, I'm a God fearing man. I'm a son of a chief. Uh, I'm the husband to a beautiful wife for almost 24 years now. Um, uh, I'm the father, uh, to a, Swo, who just graduated in twenty two, I'm the oh, the father of a you know of a freshman in college at the Merchant Marine Academy. Um, you know, I'm a surface warfare officer for almost twenty six years now, and I absolutely love life. You know, so I didn't have you know the best upbringing. You know, again, again, I am a um, an immigrant. Uh, I'm the son of two immigrants, so I'm first generation American. Um, both immigrated from the Philippines. My dad uh, came from the Philippines, joined the Navy. Um, started off as a steward. And that's the only way he could get out of the poverty, right. um, you know, province of the Philippines. My mom was a registered nurse, went to school and college out in the Philippines and, you know, and migrated here to the Philippines. So, you know, I didn't have, um, you know, the upbringing that most people think I had being an officer. I didn't, you know, I wasn't you know, fed with a silver spoon. I grew up in national city, Paradise Hills, San Diego, rough area, um, you know, I, where I lived a life uh, full of, you know, gangs and drugs and, you know, crime, um, you know, I, I tell a story to a lot of folks, you know, when, um, you know, when I grew up sophomore year high school, you know, I was I was in line to get jumped into a gang. I was, you know, everyone was there, prep, ready to go. Um, the entire gang was there. I was next in line and, you know, they called my name and I was ready to get jumped in. And, you know, it's, you know for those that don't understand, part of getting jumped into a gang is you got to go one on one with a you know, gang member. Um, And then once you start to get an upper hand, if you ever get to get an upper hand, the rest of the gang kind of joins in. So that's step one. Step two is you got to walk through a gauntlet and everyone gets one shot and you just got to protect yourself. Um, You you protect your face or protect an area uh, of your choosing. Uh, And that's the second part. And there's always kind of a third part, but that's always like um, uh, undisclosed. So it was my turn. I was pumped. I was ready to go. Butterflies ready to be a part of these brothers that I spent a lot of my childhood with. So as they called my name, you know, and I was ready to go, um, the original gangster, the OG, pulled me aside and said, "Jervy, it's not going to happen today. Today is not your day. You're way too valuable. You're way too, um, you know, involved in, in in a lot of positive things. You're more valuable to us outside the gang than you are inside." And I thought to myself, "Man, like this is all that I wanted to do. These were my boys. This is my family. How could you guys deny me this opportunity?" Um, so I kind of went home. know kind of head in between my knees feeling sorry for myself figuring out what the heck did i do to you know for my brothers not to want me but it turns out you know the following day the third thing that they had to do was they had to go to you know a rival gang member's house and shoot them and so these other five six people that got jumped in they actually did it and they're serving life in jail to this day that should have been me that was My destiny until it wasn't, I mean, if it wasn't for this OG that pulled me aside and said, today's not your day. So from that moment on, I realized that I'm called for something bigger. Like someone took care of me and for the, by the grace of God, you know, I had the ability, you know, influence and lead and do something big for not only, you know, the Navy, but our country. I need to be able to use that privilege and power that was bestowed upon me to give back to less fortunate. Um, so that's kind of how I have you know, was raised again you know being raised by a, a, a fellow by a chief um, you know understanding that in order to make it in life man you got to roll up your sleeves you got to work your butt off um, nothing's going to be handed to you regardless of what you look like what up you know what experiences you've had um, you know no one's gonna feel sorry for you you just got to grind work your ass off and at the end of the day if someone feels like you're worthy then you use that power and privilege to give back to sailors. Um, so that's kind of been my childhood. That's kind of the way that I approach life. And if you ask anyone from the time I was an Ensign to a JG to 06 now, um, that's kind of how I approach life. It's about taking full advantage of the opportunities that I have being in the positions of power that I'm in to be able to bring everyone else up to my level so that we can get after life together.
1: Wow.
0: Todd ra- raises off ships, right? Absolutely.
2: It sure hell, does. Hell yeah.
0: Now you went to, where'd you go to college at? Finally, you got oh, your shit together and went to college, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> I did. Um, so fortunately um I had the ability to play a little bit, fo- a little bit of football. Um, So I was a recruited football player to the, for the Naval Academy. Yep. I didn't have the grades or the SAT scores to go directly in or the size. So they sent me to the prep school, the Naval Academy prep school in Newport, Rhode Island, where I spent uh, a year there, gained 50 pounds, and then was able to go to the Naval Academy, and you know, a, a, as proud as I am of my leadership and academics there at that school, which I didn't very do very well, I was able to start four years um, yeah, as as a wow. uh, a free safety for the Naval Academy, which again was a dream come true. Never in my imagine in, in in a thousand years did I ever imagine myself um, starting as a freshman. Let alone, you know, my my dream and my goal when I made the team was. Uh, well, when I when I was a part of Navy football, was to be on the travel squad by my senior year. Um, it just so happened, um, you know. Again, you know, I was fortunate with with timing and circumstances that I had an opportunity. And when the opportunity came, you know, I stepped up. Um, you know, impressed a few folks and was able to get a starting position um, halfway through my uh, my freshman year. That's
0: awesome. I always had a question about the Naval Academy since you went, and I got yeah. you here. So I heard. For the midshipmen, you guys in in college, they have a chief over there that
2: are that take that make sure y'all minding your p's and q's. Is that true? Every company has an SEL. So whether it's a chief, senior, um, I think the highest is a senior or a gunny. Yeah. So every company has their own company chief, and I remember my company chief, and they kept us in line. Like they were the ones that gave us, you know, the no crap. Here it is. This is how it's like in the fleet you know you if you think you're going to come in with this cocky attitude thinking that you're going to come in that and and you outrank us as as an ensign um you know you better you know fix your face and understand it, it doesn't work like that out in the fleet so if it wasn't for those chiefs that kept us grounded that you know kind of gave us the ground truth um you know, a lot of us would kind of go into our fleet experience with a whole different mindset mm-hmm. right and that's
0: true So i remember when i was a new chief and i had this ensign I worked for. He was a divo. You no, know, they are with the answers as well they just kind of pass them around. They like, they do deck yeah. for a little bit. They do a gang. Then this guy was in the ET shop, and I told him, I said, "Sir, I don't care what you say. you got to say something at at division quarters. You have to mm-hmm. say something. I don't care if it's yeah. like go get them boys or or guys or do do what you got to do. Charge. I don't care. But you can't be silent. Let me do all the talking. Then they'll come to me for everything and they'll never t- go, go to you for anything. Yeah. And." I could never find this guy, man. He's a good, <laughs> he's a good dude, though, man. He was a nice guy. He's a Filipino guy, great guy, yeah. man. I really liked him, but I found out he was doing stuff for uh, deck too, because he was still kind of like had some leftover stuff to do. So I found him in the, the deck, the deck uh, a chief's office, and he was a good. They're both he, the chief was a buddy of mine, and I, I went in there. I said, "Sir, uh, where the hell you been?" <laughs> and he said, "He said oh, I've been in here." I said, "It don't look good." When a guy's asked me where Ensign is and I don't know. Yeah. I look like a, a pile of shit. Just like that. And he said, Well, I was in here. I said, I don't give I don't give a damn where you are. Yeah. You better you better and let me know next time or we're gonna have a problem. After so, that, though, after that it was a whole different story. But it Well just, good.
2: Yeah. And, and and all young ensigns need a little little bit of guidance, right? And and right. who better to give that guidance than the chief. Um, and I always tell young ensigns, especially, you know, the Swoes that are, you know, reporting to the ship for the very first time, tell them three things. You know, you got to have a pen and something to write with. And okay. when you are in at quarters, write something down. I don't care what you're writing down. You could write, you could play tic-tac, you know, yeah. tic-tac-toe with yourself, but write something down because it shows you care. Right. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there and look good in uniform. That's number two. And then number three, be prepared, right? Like, that's your opportunity to shine in front of your people. Like if you don't have anything to say, that just means you weren't prepared because there's always something to say, whether it's some sort of recognition, whether it's some sort of plan of the day, whether it's something motivating, be prepared to have something to say, because if you don't, you just look like an ass. And then they're going to look at you within the first seven seconds and say, and this ensign is all kinds of screwed up, man, like, and he expects us to follow him that's not the first impression you want to set so look in the uniform be where you're supposed to be uh, when you're supposed to be there have something to write down and then be prepared to say something i don't care what it is just say something um whether it's a joke make people laugh something um so it shows that you can prepare to do something and and provide value and worth for that day yeah we had
0: so you've been you've been stationed you're well you're you're from your parents are from the philippines so you've been to Southeast Asia. oh yeah Okay, Thailand. Let's talk about Thailand.
2: Oh, had a, had been there plenty,
0: many times. We're in Pattaya, and we had another is another ensign. Good dude, good guy though. He just was drunk. <laughs> he starts climbing on top of the buildings, but you know Thailand is not very. <laughs> the buildings aren't sound. He fell yeah. through. He fell through, and uh, and you know he gets his. You know he luckily he didn't die because there was a, it was a, it was two floors up. He landed on a balcony underneath the the ceiling, so he was okay and you know he got it you know he they took we took care of it he got taken care of he he was didn't get a lot of trouble but it's funny because the funniest thing he ever said was the next time we pulled into port he goes all right guys nobody can get in trouble I already burned that bridge
2: <laughs> hey so at least he learned his lesson oh yeah you know, great. And and he, he was great
0: no he was great and he was I, great I think, to work you know
2: with. yeah if we ever um you know if we're judged by how we are at you know certain port visits especially away from oh, you know yeah. your home port um then i don't know if we can if, if i would ever recover right like i mean we're young you know young 20 year olds impressionable you know 20 year olds and you know we think we're invincible when we go out to you know the Phuket, the patties of the world so oh, yeah. you know i'm i'm glad you know i was able to get that out of my system at an early age and um you know understand recover that. recover you got to recover <laughs> recharge batteries all that good stuff yeah.
1: so all of that was before the tiktoks and before the you know the phones
2: with the cameras. absolutely yeah there's way too much social media out there to act a fool um, because it's going to come back to haunt somebody one of these days yeah oh yeah definitely
0: definitely so now you we talked a little bit before we started recording you've been in you've been the ceo of a few ships
2: yeah i've been
0: ceo of three ships Okay. What name them off for me, if
2: you don't mind? Yeah. So I had a uh, command of the USS Comstock. That was my traditional fleet up. Um, fortunately, I had um, you know the I was the first fleet up on that ship. My CO when I was the XO was an O six uh, Aviator. Um, so he was just like Jervy, this is going to be your ship. You're the first fleet up, so go ahead and mold it and shape it however you see fit because this is going to be your ship. Um, so you know, so you know, kind of just backing up, all three ships that I took over. We're losing organizations. When I first took over the Comstock, my first week on the job, we had NSERV, and we failed it miserably. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, kind of taking that day one as the XO to where we were when I left uh, on my change of command um, as as the skipper, uh, we turned that ship 180 degrees. Then I took over the Harpers Ferry, and that was kind of a, a good deal for me. Um, they failed LOA twice. They finally passed it their third time. They went out to see if the very first time failed ready for sea assessment for this and then the CO just got fired. So um, I just maybe about six months removed from my time on the USS Comstock, they put me in the seat and I turned that ship around. I mean, we went from you know the laughing stock in the fleet uh, turning around doing a compressed basic phase cycle. I think we finished it in like 16, 17 weeks. Uh, We did RIMPAC and we did some pretty epic things. And we became, you know, the ship, um, the go-to ship uh, on the waterfront, even to the point where the CNO, Vice CNO would come and visit the ship. And and, and he asked a lot of questions on how we turned it around. Uh, And then last and finally, my major command was the John P. Murtha LPD-26. And you talk about a time. Um, That was pretty dang tough. If if you remember where you were summer of 2020 in the height of COVID, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, in the yards when I took over, Bonham Rashard fire just, just happened. You know, we're in the middle of, you know, political divide within the country, within our Navy, you know, the George Floyd, um, you know, scenario was, you know, was in full effect. So we're talking, you know, we're, 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 we're stuck in the corner between the yards, covid racial political divide um and you know my kind of call out to the crew was embrace the corner the only way we're going to get out is if we systematically you know tackle each small little uh scenario and fight our way out um so again tough scenarios tough situations that i was placed in um but you know it's those tough times Um, that dictate, you know, what kind of leader you're going to be. It's tough ones and successful ones that rise up that could bring a ship, you know, out of the ashes um, into the successful ships that all three of those ships ended up becoming, you know,
1: how, how did you do that? That's my question.
2: It's, it's culture. It's love. Like, so, so, you know, in the Navy, I just went to this junior officer training symposium and the, the SWO boss You know, and 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 rightfully so. He said his priorities were culture and talent management. So I'm thinking to myself, what does that mean? Like you can say culture all day long, but until you define the culture that you want on board your ship, no one's gonna know what that means. There are there are hundreds of ships with hundreds of COs, and everyone's they preach culture, but one person may think culture is the mission. Doing the mission. I don't care if your people are smiling. I don't care uh, if your people are happy, as long as we accomplish the mission. That's one culture. My culture is it's about the people. Like my whole philosophy is sailors first always. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you have that mindset, if you have that culture of you know taking care of the people and making sure that they win as individuals, the mission's gonna happen. The mission's gonna take place. And we're able to prove it time and time again. I mean, you talk about um, things that we were able to do um, from the time that we took over during a time of COVID um, and, a, a, you know, three out of air deployments, a ready six that was, uh, you know, above average, uh, in serve that was above average. Um, you know, we did some things that were pretty dang impossible within a two year span and people were still smiling. We had medical, um, you know, Navy medicine come to our ship and say, man, your op tempo is so high, yet your SI um ratio is like the lowest in the Navy. How are you doing that, Skipper? When you and say SI, just, you mean uh suicidal like, ideations. Oh, oh, okay. So okay. Yeah. So make sure. Yeah. So yeah. So the number of suicide um attempts or ideations on board our ship were the lowest compared, you know, in in, in ratio to um our op tempo. And really, it's just about taking care of your sailors. It's about loving them and giving them an opportunity to be successful. One of the things that I do when I check in, I check in all sailors, you know, from E1 um, to O5. And I ask them three questions. I say, you know, who are you? What do you want out of life? And how do you plan on getting there? I think it's important for me as the skipper to understand what people want out of life because it is my job. It is my responsibility to give them every opportunity to achieve whatever it is they want out of life. If I give them that opportunity and then it's up to them at that point, whether they use it or not, um, you know, to, to benefit their lives. And when you have conversations three, four or five months down the road, and you talk to, you know, Se- Seaman smug and say, Hey, remember how, when I asked you what you want out of life and you said you wanted to own two story, uh, house with the white picket fence and three dogs, um, you know, after you get your masters, like how? How is that going? You know, have you picked out, you know, where you're going to live yet? Have you picked out what kind of dog you're going to have? And have you started your application to get, you know, this higher education? And it's like, yeah, man, like, how did you remember all that? I'm like, because I care about you. And because it's my job to give you that opportunity to get higher education, to get that two-story white picket fence house. Now, all of a sudden, this freaking seaman is like, holy smokes, man, they care about me. Yeah. And... This 06, like you think that like he's aloof and he's just constant, you know, focused on the big picture, but no, he cares about, you know, the things that I want out of life. Man, I'm gonna work my butt off now for him because I know he cares about me. And at the end of the day, that's all these sailors want. They want to feel valued, they want to feel like they are a part of something special, and they want someone that cares about them. And it doesn't take much for someone to show that they care it's a simple conversation it's a pat on the back it's a spot nap it is 24 hour and that's no skin off my back like i don't have to pay for spot naps i don't pay for 24 hour liberty chits or 96 hour chits so why not when i'm walking and i'm doing heads and beds as the 06 and i see someone's rack that is just unbelievable you know and it's just made to perfection i say hey whose rack is that Hey, I'm going to give this guy 24 because he obviously cares. And I want to give some time off because he's showing to the rest of the ship that he cares about something. And if the word gets out that this guy got rewarded for doing something small, then everyone else is going to step up their game and hope to get recognized and rewarded appropriately.
1: You know, I used to work for the chief of naval air training and um, the admiral told me this one time and I I never I never forgot it. But he said, you know, um, for him, the same thing. This this flick of a pen or the uh, you know the award or whatever was nothing, and he said one small act for, for uh, for me is life changing for someone
2: else. You know how many quotas I have for Nabs or Comms in Major Command? I, I never. How many? Zero. Oh, so none. nobody yeah. keeps track, right? And then like Chiefs and you know Departmentals say like, we got to set a precedent. We you know we got to make sure that we do things okay. But what does the NAB say? Right. It's meritorious, you know, actions in this. Right. right? So if somebody did something nam worthy or common worthy, why not reward that sailor? Because you know what? It's going to end up paying off at the end of the day. And they're going to fight so much harder, work that much harder for you. And then everyone else is going to say, Man, sailors are actually getting rewarded for doing things. You know, and n- no longer are the days when you just go in the freaking bilge and you know you're forgotten down there and no one cares. Right. You know, those days are forgotten. People are recognizing people are seeing how you're contributing to the ship and they're getting recognized. Yep. So then buzz around the ship is, man, everybody cares, man. We're going to freaking fight. We're going to work our asses off because they recognize it and it contributes to this winning organization. And that so that's how
0: you lead during a pandemic that happened since the, the teens and Absolutely. you were still in war. Actually, we were still at war when this pandemic started. So that was a, that's a, that's a lot against you. You, you cracked the code, man. That's good. You crack, but you know what you used basic treat humans like humans.
2: Yeah. So, and then people like a lot of people like that, that watch the social media and they see all the kind of crazy things that we do, they get it confused with, um you know, that we value that over, over the mission. People don't understand that on the John P. Murtha, we won in everything that we did. Everything that they tasked us with, it was a a no-fail mission. We had to get it done. But every time we won, we celebrated. Every nice. time we did something epic, we partied our butts off, right? So we worked like sailors and partied like pirates. That was kind of our mantra. And every time we did something like all you look at our basic phase scores. Like we did it within 6 weeks because we had to, but we still had the highest scores for each warfare area. And every time we did that, <clears throat> every time we got a grade back, you know, we celebrated hard and I put it out to the crew at all hands called kind of the score that this warfare or division got. And then I would challenge the next division. Hey, can you top that? Can you better this? And if you do, the party that we have for you is going to be even more epic. So they were like, <laughs> they were, they were like, you know, pumped, you know, they would put in all the work in anticipation for the celebration afterwards. And that's kind of the you know the attitude that I wanted on board the ship. We went out to sea, you know, there for the longest time, and I and I, and I fell into this trap when I was young. Like I hated going out to sea, man. Like it sucked because there was nothing fun. You know, you just freaking grind, you stand the watch, you pull in a port just exhausted. It was my goal. And I put it like on the POD, we had a list of goals and everybody understood what those goals were. The last goal was to have a positive sea story by the time you leave the ship so every time we went underway we did something freaking epic and then every time we were pulling back you know on Sea anchor um you know you'd have freaking you know deck seamen undead seamen that would say hey cat man that was so awesome what you just did during this last underway i can't wait to go out to see to see what you have planned next you know <laughs> and then everyone gets so fired up and pumped up that they're excited to go back out to sea because they know that we're going to do something and that was the culture that we had on board the ship. They were excited to go out to sea because they knew we had something planned. And it wasn't ideas solely coming from me. I mean, it was the chief's mess. It was first class petty officer association. It was the crew that would say, hey, Cam, you know, you know, we did this swim call here. How about we do it from here? Or, you know, how about we do like this club two six or how about we like everything that we did that was pretty wild were ideas from the crew. and you know, whereas before they probably had these ideas that like you could pretty, you could do pretty cool things on board a ship, but no one would ever take them seriously or, you know, right. or honor, you know, their suggestion. But when they knew that they had leadership that wouldn't automatically, you know, just say, discount them and say, no, we can't do that. That's too crazy. Oh, yeah. They had a, a, a triad or a leadership team that said, holy smokes. I think that's in the realm of possible, but You're going to have to make that happen. We're going to have to win. And then if we do all those things, I'll give you guys the opportunity, you know, to, you know, to, to, to do something that epic. So that was how wild it was on board the ship. They knew that they had to win in order for us to celebrate and party like pirates, but they enjoyed the winning. They enjoyed the celebrations and they knew we always had something planned. So that was, uh, it was, it, it was, it was pretty wild, pretty epic. And it was like that on the other ships. But because social media really didn't exist at the time, we weren't able to showcase it. So, yeah, it wasn't like a new thing for me to run a ship like that. It's just because now of social media, I was able to display, you know, kind of the cool things that a crew can accomplish if they put their minds and bodies and souls to it. I like
0: that. And there's something to be said when you take, you said, uh, a not so successful command and turn it into, I call it a Roman Empire. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Nobody, Mm -hmm. nobody fucks with you. Yeah. When you got your shit together, nobody messes with you. You can pretty much do what you want within reason when you answer the call every
2: time. Yep.
0: And And, yeah,
2: it's not only assessors, but it's your boss too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when I first took over the John P. Murtha and, you know, we would do a few ops out. um, I was, you know, being micromanaged by my boss who didn't quite have, you know, the amphibious experience that I've had. And I'm saying and I would tell her, you know, ma'am, like with all due respect, like I know what I'm doing. You got to have a little bit of faith in me. I guarantee you just give me the task. We'll make it happen. But just don't tell me how to do my job. Right. And you know, at first she would, you know, we would kind of have at it, um, you know, and you know, and and have some heated discussions. But once she realized that I wasn't playing around, that I don't lose, and I will give her everything that she tasked me with, you know, with you know, with perfection where everyone, you know, could be proud and say, man, that was pretty damn awesome how they did that. Once she saw that, then she left me alone. Then she was like, "Jervy, I, I get it. Like you're going to win. I just need you to do this, this, and that. I don't care how you do it, but just make sure these things happen. Gotcha, ma'am. We're gonna, we'll make it happen. And, and then, so, you know, they left they left us alone. They allowed us to operate the way we wanted to operate. The assessors, you know, once we got ready six, you know, knocked that out of the park and they, there was just no um, no notice in serve. TICOM, you know, they weren't worried. They'd say, all right, Drew, we know that you got this. You got a plan. Just tell us what you need, what resources that, you know, um, you know, we could provide you. Um, but if you don't say anything, we'll leave you guys alone. And that's all I needed. Just people off our back. People, you know, the the the, the people that apply the stress on board the ship that don't offer much. Stay off the ship so my people can get to work. And then we'll provide the results where you guys could be proud and say, holy smokes, yeah, that's one of our ships. And they just did us proud. Damn right. I like that.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, what a, a, a tribute, because I'm sure you lead the same way. You tell the crew what they need to do, and then you let them go and let them do it.
2: It's all about empowerment, right? Yeah. And, and the reason why I took over the, the Harpers Ferry, they were a losing ship. Like They couldn't pass anything. It's because that CEO was so micromanaging, no one was able to, to feel you know, the power to do their job by themselves. You know what I did when I got there? I said, listen, you guys were known as a bunch of losers. The losing stops now, right? We're going to do this, 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 and that, and I'm going to get out of the way, in which I did. So it was the same people. There was only one person that changed out, and we went from the laughingstock to the go-to ship in the fleet only because they are finally allowed to do the jobs that they're trained to do. So there's so much to be said. Like the leadership today, like if you're afraid, if you're not bold, if you don't have enough, um, you know, self-worth in your abilities to let your people do your job, don't command, don't lead, get out of the Navy. You know, that's when That's when organizations' commands fail because you're not allowing these talented, gifted, you know, special sailors to do the job that they're trained to do. When you come in and micromanage them and they're afraid to make decisions because they're afraid to get yelled at or afraid because you don't know what the heck you're doing, you're doing the entire organization to service. And people don't want to lose, but when they're associated with being losers, then they kind of get in that funk and then they feel like they're a loser too and they kind of fall into that trap. So, Again, when people are given the ability to the, do the job that they're trained to do, not only do they feel good about themselves, but then now you have this high functioning ship that are doing things on their own because they know that they're allowed and given that opportunity to do it. And then when they win, man, it's just like a this force that is unstoppable. Um, and then they're like holding their chins up high, chest puffed out, feeling really proud of being a part of something pretty dang special.
0: That's awesome. I want to segue a little bit to your, uh, to your uh, social media. Yeah. I love
2: it, man. It's good stuff. Are you, what do you,
0: how many follow you on Instagram? Do you have a hundred plus thousand. Is that uh, one forty
2: five that right? or one? Yeah. That's yeah, ridiculous. And it's funny because I'm just an old man that just, you know, I had like young sailors, you know, set up the, set up the account for me. I'm not like an influencer. Um, I just, you know I initially started, you know, because again, I was CEO of John P. Murtha during the middle of COVID. It was, you know, duty section only. We couldn't huddle. Like, I'm a big rah-rah football guy. I like to huddle the team, you know, take a knee. Let's talk about it every week, talk about our accomplishments, talk about what's next. I couldn't do that during COVID. So I was having a conversation on the mess decks and I was talking to this HM3 and I was like, "Man, this is, this sucks. Like, I can't see, I don't know anyone, what anyone looks like. I can't see if you're smiling, if you're frowning, if you're sticking your tongue at me, this, this sucks. And I want to be able to preach my word, like my vision to the crew. Um, and I can't do that when I don't see everybody and I don't feel everybody's energy. So she said, well, have you ever thought about?" Social media. And I said, Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Like all this Facebook stuff, I'm not a fan. And she's like, It's easy. Like, all you got to do is set up an account. And we'll start off with Instagram. You just got to say a few words, put it on your story, and then you know, soon you'll get you know the ship to follow you, and they'll be able to see what you have to say. I said, I don't know if that'll necessarily work, but let's try it. So she got my phone, she set up my account. She's like, What do you want to be called? I was like, I don't know, just put uh Captain USS John P. Murtha. Or CO, USS John P. Mirtha. So she did it all, and then she held the phone up to my face, and she said, say something. And I was like, uh, hello, crew. Uh, this is your captain, and I just want to say I am happy to be here, and I hope that you guys have a safe weekend. Get after it. When every day, be great. Captain out. And that was, like, the most awkward thing. But then <laughs> she posted it, and, I was, and she was like, just as easy as that. And then, like, you could see how many likes, and you could see like how many people viewed it. And it was like, I don't know, within a couple hours, like fifteen people viewed it. I was like, I got fifteen people to watch that. That's freaking awesome. That's so epic. <laughs> and then, so you know, I, and then next, thing you know, like two days later, three days later, when I'm doing like a, a just like a, a note of the day from the captain, I had like thirty followers. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I am borderline verified. I'm getting all these followers. This freaking, is freaking you're great. You're viral. Yeah, no, I'm freaking viral. I told my daughter, my daughter I was like, Dad, like that's ridiculous. Like, I have 15. Like, let, let me know when you have a couple hundred. I said, I'm gonna get there, but I'm I'm happy with 50. So then it just kind of blew up, you know, and it was like recognizing sailors, it was recognizing the you know, the contractors that were wor- working on the ship. And that's what I, I use the platform for. I, I, I used it to talk to the crew, let them know kind of what my thoughts were for the week. It was to recognize all the, you know, the contributions um, from the contractors to the sailors. And then like it, the 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 followership started to build, right? And it was really just the crew and then their families. And then when we got out to sea, it was like a game changer because I started to record, you know, all the things that we were doing. Um, you know. I would have like these mom requests, moms would uh, like DM me and say, I haven't seen my son or my daughter in in months since they joined the Navy. Can you just let them know that I'm thinking about them? So I would go find that sailor and say, no, Hey, two, six fam. I got a mom request. Um, you know, Tiffany all the way from Nebraska. Uh, I found your son. Look who it is. Say something to your mom. And then she would say something to her mom, And I would post this. And next thing you know, like, I had all these freaking mom requests, cousin requests, brother requests, best friend requests. And then like I don't have a team, like I don't have a a media team that, you know, helped me out. I was doing all this myself. So I would physically go to that person on the ship and do that little bit with them and I would post it. And the next thing you know, like the the viewership and the followership just freaking exponentially started to increase. And then, you know, I just started having fun with it and just showcasing a lot of fun things that we were doing on board the ship. And it just kind of got wild after that. Yeah. And, you know, and then even back then, like I was looking at other like ship accounts and people accounts, like, no one was doing that, right? We no, were kind of no, like, no. we were game breakers at the time. Um, we were doing something wild. People would always get, you know, ask me like, what, is, what does senior leadership think about that? They they weren't saying anything, right? Again, we were a ship that was winning. We are a ship that was doing everything, on task on time, and I wasn't breaking any you know uh you know any rules as as far as opsec was concerned, right. so they all left me alone and they saw that a ship was smiling and having fun and and still winning, so they're just like, man maybe maybe we ha- we're onto to something maybe we have something pretty special here." You know, now, I, I want to talk about something
1: though. Well, I was going to say I t- I told Heath, and I don't I don't know you, sir, but I know well I've seen your social media, so I feel like I know you. But I said, you know what, my favorite thing about Cap is he's true to
2: himself. Oh yeah,
1: like I feel that through your social media.
2: And yeah, I mean, and I get you know I I, I get some negative comments about it too. Like I am who I am. I wear my hat to the back. You know, I wear whatever I want on board the ship, and. Um, you know, I'm wearing rags, you know, and, you know, kind of from my, my engineer days, I don't give a F, right? Like I'm here to take care of the people. Like you could say what you want from the outside world. I'm here to take care of my people and my ship and my family. So I can give two rats asses what you think about me and how I lead, but you ask anybody if I, you know, if, you know, if I don't care about them or if I'm not a freaking winner, they all have my back in a heartbeat, I guarantee. So all that little stuff, all the petty stuff, like I don't really pay it no mind. But it's pretty funny to to read some of the comments every now and then. You know that's that's
0: true because we both been in. I was in the business twenty six years. You're coming up on twenty six years. Jamie's been in eighteen, and I'm not dogging anybody out. But people do change yeah. to fit the mold, so they think that's going to get them where they need to be, right? Yeah. And it happens more time than not. And I, I applaud you for not not being that guy. But that's that's what I'm saying. If you're a winner. And you're winning within reason, you can do pretty much what you want,
2: yeah, but you know who has you don't have not, you you know not who has, any rules exactly. And the ones that have the, the biggest um, issues and heartbreaks with it are are the graybeards, right? are the ones that are out of the service yeah, or, yeah. you know, back when I was in the Navy in, in the in the late 2000s, I'm like, bro, you've just been out like five years. like yeah. they, they have issues with social media, but they don't understand like this generation is different. Like And you have to be able to connect with this generation if you want to get the most out of them. They are really in tune with their social media. They're really in tune with their feelings. And they're not afraid to get to senior leadership and say, I'm not happy. You know, this needs to change. Whether we succumb to that or not, um, you know, that's up to leadership. My biggest thing was, you know, I'll, I'll talk to a cheese mess, right? And they'll say, like, Oh, yeah, all these this young, this new generation, they're different. You always have to explain the why to them. I'm like, Chief, how long does it take to explain the why? When people ask or when you tell someone to clean the bilge, what you have to say is, I need someone to clean the bilge. It is this important because if you don't clean the bilge, there is hazard in the bilge, whether it's hazardous like fire hazards, whether it's salt water that's just gonna erode, you know, the steel. I need somebody to keep the bilges clean, to remove any fire hazard or potential um, you know, corrosion, so the ship will stay together, so we can continue to sail. That took me 17 seconds to explain the why. Chief, if you can't take the 17 seconds to explain the why, you're lazy and you're not doing your job. This is a different generation. No longer are we in this world where it's shut up in color or do it because I said so. You know, It only takes a short amount of time to explain the why. And if you don't have the patience or the communication skills, Chief, you know, to connect with this new generation, then it's probably about time that you get out, right? Because, you know, this is no longer our father's Navy where, you know, you could just beat them down to submission until they get it done. This is an entirely new generation. But I guarantee you, if you spend the time to explain the why, you're going to get more out of that sailor than going to say, okay, I got you. And I appreciate you explain that to me. Um, you know, now I'll go. Out, I'll go out and do as I'm told. And a lot of folks don't understand that and they don't want, um, you know, to take the time that it takes to explain the, why, um, and I I don't know why, right? Like it's, I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know if it's power. They feel like they don't have to do it, but this is a different generation. And if you really want to get the most out of them, you got to be able to adjust and adapt so that you get the most out of them.
1: 100%.
0: Definitely. What about, what's up with the horse, man? The horse? Right? Dude, that, that was awesome, dude. I mean, what <laughs> what, what just got yes. you to, hey, I'm, I'm going to take a horse to the well deck. It was the well deck, right?
2: It was the well deck. It was yeah. a, it was during my change of command. And that again, awesome. so a lot of things that I, I'm just a wild type of leader. Like I'm built different. One of the things that I told the, my department heads when I first took over John P. Murth is, listen, for a final battle problem, you know, kind of the conclusion of the basic phase, I want to do an abandoned ship drill and I want to use an actual, life raft um, and i want us to actually jump from the highest point that's safe and exercise um, and drill like a real abandoned ship drill where i i I die someone else takes command and the ship is no longer survivable we are all going over the side they thought i was nuts (laughs) but you know they knew that i was serious and they knew that that was important to me so they made it happen so leading up to the change of command, I just told you know the par meds, I want to do something epic. I want a horse, and they're like, <laughs> "Captain, you are freaking crazy." I said, "I know, but I want a horse." And next thing you know, showed up day of the uh, of the of the ceremony. There was this huge white horse waiting for me on the change of command ceremony, and that's not me, right? That's the people. You know, that they get a tasking, they use Message Garcia, they figure it out and they make it happen. And that's just a true testament of my inner circle, you know, understanding the vision, understanding the intent, and going above and beyond themselves to make it happen. So, again, nothing that I've done, it was something that I put out to department heads. This is what I wanted. I wanted to go out in style. I want to go off on my white horse off on the sunset (laughs) and they freaking made it happen. Now, how freaking awesome is that? That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good department heads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, (laughs) like, um, you know, when you talk about the culture, you, you can't just get the culture out yourself, right? You need a bunch of disciples that can spread the good word. What I've done all three of my ships, the first group. First organization I always talk to is the cheese mess, and I tell them this is these are our goals, these are my expectations. This is what you know I expect that you go out and do great things, and it's always the cheese mess that carries the water at the end of the day. And I put so much value and faith and trust in them. I know that if a ship wins, it's because of the cheese mess. If a ship loses, it's because of the cheese mess. Everything. You know, ebbs and flows with the chief's mess. Now, as far as decision making, I have a small little inner circle. You know, my trusted counselors and advisors, and that's my department heads. Nothing ever goes um, like we kind of run ideas through them. But at the end of the day, when it comes to policy making, it's always with the chief's mess. So I, I use the, the inner circle just to kind of bounce ideas, um, kind of just, you know, sounding board. With some of my craziness, um, I need them to tell me where I'm jacked up or if I'm way too much. And that's what I need my inner circle for. Um, but as far as, you know, every, you know, the, the, the day-to-day life of the ship and the policy, um, and the morale, um, and attitudes and culture of the ship, man, that's all freaking cheese mess. Wow. Yeah. And, but you know
0: i mean like you said if they if it if it's successful it's great but if it's not it's the cheese mess too you know it's a double oh X4. absolutely like yeah.
2: there there have been times when i wasn't happy with a score or i wasn't happy um with an underway like the entire time on the john p murtha i think i was late underway one time and it was by like minutes man i got into the freaking cheese messes ass like like i don't like to lose and when we get in a real comfortable position, and people start to get complacent and comfortable, sometimes they just need to get rattled, right? Yeah, so I've been—I haven't done it very often, especially with the, the the mess on the Mirtha. But when I'm freaking business, and uh, and they and they can sense it and see it, they freaking turn, right? And it's, it's it's an awesome sight to see. They're like, Captain, that's our fault. We messed up. We're the reason why we are late. It won't happen again." I had a freaking badass CMC that got it, um, you know, that had my back was the most loyal person. And when I say loyal, that doesn't always mean saying yes, sir. It's always, you know, we can get to the yes, but here's the, the what, cost. What's, what's like, going to take? Here, right. Yeah. Th- this, this is the risk. Um, or sometimes, Captain, that's just crazy. Um, you know, we can, we can make it happen, but, um, it's unsafe and you're probably going to get fired. Got it, CMC. That's all. That's all the uh, <laughs> advice I need. Um, so that's that's lo- what loyal means to me. And this dude was the most loyal CMC of all of them. I've had six or seven, um, but taichika's Turner, man, was the most loyal, most freaking gifted warrior um, that I had the pleasure to serve with. And he got the the mess in line, carried the water, preached the good word, and got our culture exactly where i wanted it to be and it was all because of him and the mess um and and and, and the influence he had uh of, of his mess that's
0: good to hear that's awesome that yeah. is awesome and i learned a long time ago i had a cmc tell me one time and i was a brand new i just i just been a chief since breakfast and a cmc really <laughs> going through a lot of inspections because the, the ship wasn't doing well it turned around though kind of like what you're talking about with your yeah. ship but he said he pre- every inspection is a chief inspection, no matter what your pay rank is, no matter what your rate is. Uh, every inspection, find a way to make yourself useful, basically. Yeah. In an inspection.
2: And that's, 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 what I mean, that, and that's, I mean, when, when I was a chief engineer, um, so, you know, baby lieutenant, first department head, um, I was a chief engineer on a diesel plant, the US on the, on the LSD. You
0: know,
2: that's a beast, man. It's a beast. And that's when we had boilers back then, too. Yeah. And, I had no idea what I was doing, right? And, um, you know, how am I going to tell, you know, an EN or a DI how to do his job? So I understood my place. And I was the rah-rah guy. I was the guy, you know, the night before freaking LOA, I brought, you know, 30 freaking Little Caesar pizzas, you know, to the engine room. Got, you know, went to the cheese mess and, and got, you know, barrels of ice cream and took it down to the main space because at the end of the day, when they were freaking exhausted, they worked their asses off uh, to be prepared for this inspection and they just wanted to relax and chill. And, you know, and, and, and to be able to spend the time with them down in the pit, sharing pizza um, and ice cream, um, you know, it, it, it meant a lot to them. It, it showed them that I had their back. That I wasn't going to try to tell them how to do their jobs or yell at them or, um, you know, you know, do something that, um, you know, that you know they probably, you know, look at me and say, man, what a freaking a hole. No, they just saw a guy that cared. You know, that understood his role on the team, um, and 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 he was there for us. And that went and and, and that you know that that went so far. Um, with their uh, appreciation and love for me that we are freaking unstoppable. At that point. Right. And that's, you, you'd mentioned like when you were a young
0: officer, like underway sucks, all I did was stand watching as a swell. You stood a lot of freaking watch. I mean, that's all imagine. we did. Yeah. And, but there's something about that sea life landlubber. There's <laughs> something about, I'm joking. There's something about that sea life when you're embracing a suck together. That's what's great about sea, sea life. And the best sunrise and
2: sunsets ever. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the the best views of rainbows, you know, the best views of, of wildlife, you know, playing in your wake. Um, you know, it, it's just that people don't understand how beautiful it is, like even like standing amid out on the bridge wing, looking at all the stars because you don't get a view like that anywhere in the world. Right. Not only the sunrise sunsets, but you get the freaking the the stars you get, the bioluminescence you get, the yep. dolphins playing in your wake. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, you pay thousands of dollars just to go see and experience. And we get to do that for free. We get paid to do that. Exactly. And I just wish people understood that, you know, it may suck. I get it. But you know what? There are so many beautiful and positive things that you could take away from your time in the Navy, especially um, from your experiences out at sea. Love it. And I used to, when I stood sick, well, I used to love going
0: up. I, used, yeah. I, I I'd coordinate with the OD sometimes. So I have to go up and see the OD and I, I didn't mind. Cause I, like I said, she, he or she had the spot. Yep. I thought. That
2: oh, was the best view. Yeah. Be, best view. And I remember, man, when I was a young ensign, we were five and dimes, nothing like this three and nine circadian rhythm that they have today. You know, I, I told myself when I was a young ensign, man, like all I want out of life is I want my own parking spot. I want my own head and I want my own seat on the bridge. I hated standing on that bridge. You know, one of the things, you know, when I said my own head, like I remember just sitting in the stall, you know, ha- you know, and seeing uh, people next to me making all this, these noises and their coveralls were on the deck. I'm like, this is gross. That's so nasty. <laughs> I want my own freaking head. And then again, as an ensign, you don't got a parking spot. So you got to come in real early, park way out in Timbuktu to be able to get You're in the J.O. jungle. And then you're in the jungle, so like they're like you know you talk about goals, you talk about things that I wanted out of life. When I was a young ensign, man, I wanted my own parking spot, my own you know my own head and my own seat on the bridge. When I knew I had that, man, I was freaking I I had made it. Um, And you know when I had all those things, it was freaking awesome, man. And and it just made life at sea that much more special and beautiful. And I I I didn't mind it one bit. Hell yeah, you got your own stateroom. Jervy has arrived. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: 100%. You know, I have, uh, I have one last question before we close out, because I, yeah. just, I know that um, things in, in the Navy are tough right now. You know, um, especially uh, for recruiters, we're going to miss our session goals, which means that we're not going to be able to help our shipmates out there um, in the fleet with as many people as we thought. So I know y'all are short manned. I know everybody's hurting. Um. So, in a sense, we're in that same ship as when you started off at the Comstock, Harper's yeah. Ferry, in the in the Murta. What What advice would you offer to those sailors, those leaders, those chiefs, young JOs?
2: Yeah. So again, you know, and, and as a recruiter, like I feel for you. I'm glad that Admiral Cheeseman did away with the six day work weeks. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Um, but that that is just, you. That has just <laughs> added more pain and it's not solving anything. I think where we're going wrong in the Navy is, um, you know, we are not putting enough onus and accountability um, on leadership. And when I say that is, you know, th- we're all over the place, right? You have the Jervies of the world and then you have, you know, the, Holly Graffs of the world, you know, old school kind of cruiser CEO. We're not all on the same page. You know, we talk about culture, we preach culture, but what kind of culture are we getting after? So the only things that I would, and I'm talking directly to leadership, you have to love the sailors that you lead, right? If you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing it for your own personal gain, get out of the business because we don't need you, right? These sailors are working way too hard, they mean too much, especially the ones that are in between the lines, you need to love the sailors that you lead. And if you do, they're going to re-enlist, they're going to come back, they're going to tell their family back home that holy smokes, man, the Navy as an organization, as a community, as a family, they take care of each other and you're, you're set for life. I think we just need to treat all of the sailors the way that they're they deserve to be treated with love, respect, with, with dignity. You know, when they mess up, yeah, we, you know, you you gotta stop them on the wrist. But when they do awesome and epic things, appreciate them. Like appreciate people more than you think you should, and then double it. That's always been my approach. There's not enough recognition going around right now, especially you recruiters. Like you guys are freaking working your asses off, and all you guys are hearing. About is the negative stuff. Like you're not meeting your goals. You know you're not bringing in the right people. Well, this is a tough world. How about let's celebrate the folks that you are bringing in, right? And then leaders need to take take responsibility. Stop casting blame and take full responsibility. You know I have this saying. Um, you know just win every day, be great. And I, I think you kind of got it through this this podcast. You know that. It's about winning in everything that you do. You're not always gonna win, but when you do take an L or you experience that L, use it as a learning experience. You know, it's it's how you deal with the adversity and, and and the and the and the lessons that you've learned from a loss that'll determine whether or not you're gonna be successful. You have to be able to have a winner's mindset in everything you do, from recruiting to driving ships to flying planes to leading sailors. It's all about winning. And how you how you define winning, whether it's numbers, whether it's smiles, whether it's, um, you know, deployments, um, you can define that however you want, but at the end of the day, you have to win. As individuals, you know, and great for me as an acronym, you got to have goals, right? You got to know exactly what you want, um, and you got to be able to be relentless towards achieving those goals. You got to be excellent in everything you do. Don't let, you know, you got to be the best because when you're the best at what you do, I don't care if it's chipping, painting, sweeping, bilge diving, If you're the best at what you do, it's going to open up so many doors. People need to understand when you're an undead seaman and you're asked to chip and paint, you're not going to be doing that for the rest of your career. You're going to do that for maybe six months, a year until you strike a rate. And then you get to do something that you truly want to do. You get trained to do. But if you're the best at what you do and chipping and painting, always there with a smile and getting after it, it's going to open up so many doors. Yeah. Attitude. A is attitude. Again, it's a choice. I don't care how talented, how motivated you are. If you have a piss poor attitude, you're not going to amount to much. And the last thing is teamwork. What we do in the Navy, especially on surface ships, it's the ultimate team sport. We all have jobs. We all have a role to play. We need to understand what our role is, execute our role to the best of our abilities. And if you do that, you do your job to the best of your ability, the team is not going to fail. It's not going to lose. People get out of their out of their little you know, area of expertise. They try to do everyone else's job. Um, that's not how teams operate. Teams operate when they understand their specific role, execute their role to the best of their ability. Um, and then... Give the love and recognition when people do actually do their jobs. In a nutshell, that's the recipe for winning in the Navy. Um, You know, so I say win every day, be great. The point B, it's a point B. Point A is who you are and where you are. Who you want to be, where you want to go in your life is your point B. And that's why I always say, what do you want out of life? Um, because I want to know what their point B is, because it's my responsibility to give them every opportunity to achieve that point B, whatever it is um, they want out of life. So I know that I just kind of want to wrap all of that up in a nutshell. You asked what we could do better in the Navy. Um, You know, it's, it's it's having a mindset of win every day, be great. It's about loving your sailors, appreciate them more than you think you should. And then doubling it, take uh, responsibility, stop casting blame. And at the end of the day, I just ask all leaders to be genuine. Be yourself, man. If you're a freaking hugger, be the best damn hugger um that there is. If you're a yeller and screamer, be the best damn yeller and screamer there is. But just be yourself because these people, these these you know, this new generation, they're smart. Um they can see right through the BS. If you're fake, if you're not real, they're they're, they're going to see it right away. They're going to say, "Man, this this guy is a piece of crap. Um he's full of BS. You know, we're not going to follow him because he is not a genuine um, leader. These leaders, these, these sailors nowadays are smart. They can see it. They can smell it. They can sense it. So why not just be real and be the type of leader your people deserve? I oh, okay. That's awesome. One
0: more question, sir. Shoot. You talk a lot about asking your sailors what their goals are. And you remember them six months from when they yep. tell you, what's your goal? What's your goal for yourself when, before you hit retirement, ready to retire? So I I, I have
2: a point B. Um, my point B, and that's what I want out of life. I want my wife to be um, to remain madly in love with me. Nice. Um, I want to be the type of man that my daughter wants to marry one day, uh, and I want to be the type of man that my son wants to be like one day. So that's my point B. How I get there, which are my goals. Um, I want to I want to continue on this journey for as long as I can, for as long as I'm having fun, smiling on my face, and I have the influence um that I currently have um what that means i don't know there's a lot of things out there for me um but uh i'm just trying to be the best at my job now um so i want to continue so my goal is um not so much the next rank right. um it's the next position where i have the ability to be a positive influence in young officers young sailors lives
0: got it that's good cuz you're doing the right things the rank's going to come if it's supposed that- to come
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, senior. Yeah, that that, again, I've never been driven by awards, rankings, or rank. Um, I've been driven by the people, um, seeing them smile, um, you know, seeing them um, fully satisfied, living purposeful lives. And when I see that these sailors are doing, I feel like I've done my job. Love it. That's awesome. And with that, we're going to close out. If you don't mind, sir, stick around for a minute.
0: I can bullshit with you real quick after we're done. Absolutely. Right. And with that, We wish you a fair wind. And following seas. will be